You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Gentlemen, welcome to this podcast, the five things that you really like, unicorns, deep dish pizza, books, underdogs, and heated blankets. Thank you for listening, and that's the podcast. See you later. No, I'm just kidding. I'm Terry Ryan. This is Tales with TR, and today we got a great fucking guest for you. How about that? F-bomb right off the bat for no reason. I'm too lazy to edit. I've just been on the phone for the last two hours with Andrew Peters. I screwed up my last intro, so I'm doing the intro now, post-interview. How do you like that? Andrew Peters, what a guy. Uh, look him up if you want to Google all his stats and everything. We, uh, I'd never met him. Usually I have once, actually, and we'll talk about that. But usually I have uh, friends on the program that just got so many. I, I, I like, you know, from the hockey world. It doesn't even have to be from the hockey world. I, you know, you've, you've heard my... Between Third Man In and Tales with TR, we've had Jim Cuddy. We've had Tara Sloan. Not that that's not hockey, but she I consider her a musician first. She got into broadcasting afterwards. Oh, lots. I'm going off the top of my head. Jeremy Charles, chef. So, but you know, they're friends. Like, I've seen them, and we've almost everybody I'm thinking that I've had on my podcast. I'm trying to think of an exception, but I can't. Is a friend that I've hung out with, been a teammate, something like that. And not with Andrew. Andrew and I actually fought in 98, 99. So I hadn't actually met him, although that's kind of untrue, and I'll let him explain that. But, um, you know, we weren't teammates or anything ever, um, but I really have a tremendous amount of respect for him. He was a real tough customer. He's an NHLer with a great family and hangs out with, uh, does a show with Craig Rive, one of my ex-teammates. So anyway, anyway, I'm getting way too far into it. Point is, Andrew Peters was a six-year National Hockey League player for the Sabres. Real tough customer and a great junior. Good, great if he comes to toughness. In junior, he was pretty good, though. I guess I can't throw around the word great if you, if you count scoring. But it's hard not to be great, though. You, anybody that makes the National Hockey League. It's just funny because there's some years that Andrew had, like, no goals and one goal. But put him in a you know, game of pickup and he's dominant you know it's usually the way it is a lot of people ask me well here's one here's a guy that went second round ohl and uh you know always he was big so i mean he had to fight but he ended up being like just a real tough guy that dropped the gloves for his teammates and in order to do that in the national hockey league you got to be one of the best in the world and uh actually the more i got to talk to him the more i like if we we got a lot in common i wish i was his teammate we just had a great uh, i guess it was about an hour and a half a little bit more conversation so you're in for that before i really wanted to say one thing to you guys i really really did so here it goes okay southern scholar they make superior 
dress shot, dress socks. They've reinvented the dress sock to form or fit your leg and stay up there the best possible. Guaranteed the best dress socks you've ever worn or your money back. Like I said, they reinvented the dress sock to fit and stay up your leg. It doesn't slouch. Use promo code THPN for $5 off your next purchase. So that's Southern Scholar. And I mean, obviously, Penny Posh hoodies, right? $129.99, down to $69.99 for the next couple of weeks. Go to pennyposhdesigns.com, women's wear reimagined. $69.99, by the way, and I'm going to throw in a signed picture, and my dad is also going to throw in a signed picture, uh, and I'll also throw, throw in a card. So there's that. And Patreon, if you want to uh, donate some moolah to the Hockey Podcast Network, go to Patreon slash the Hockey Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is a former Oakville Blade, Georgetown Raider, Oshawa General, Kitchener Ranger, Rochester American, and Buffalo Sabre. I'm telling you all, this guy went 34th overall. His middle name was Danger when he played for the Rangers. He's a friendly neighbor, and he played for the Sabres. This guy ain't cocky, and he coaches youth hockey. Each game night, he was ready for the fight. He often ate Cheerios at breakfast in Ontario. He carries a big stick and was a second-round pick. He doesn't often boast, but he's a great talk show host. The Houston Astros are a bunch of cheaters, but not my next guest. Ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Peters. Oh, my God. Here you are. Who'd have thunk it? I should have, I should have been the guy announcing that in Buffalo when you're ready to do your thing. How you doing? Well, have you ever seen? Have you? I'm doing great. And and first of all, let me just start by saying it's amazing to be doing this with you. And I, and I I'm sorry we haven't connected on my end of this, but when we were going to originally, you were you had a yeah. bit of a bit of an issue spitting your tooth into the bottom of a beer glass. I'm sure we'll get into that. But uh, I'm doing great. And you know, have you ever seen uh, Will Ferrell introduce the Chicago Bulls? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's what you, you should be doing this. That's what you should be doing. <laughs> like they, they, you send that out. People are going to pay you for appearances just to come and do that night in and night out. <laughs> if we can get sports back with fans. If we can do that. Hey, even if we can get sports back with no fans, maybe they'll need a voice. Who knows? <laughs> but as long as I thought that was amazing intro, uh, you're probably wrong on a lot of those things, uh, but, but, but it sounded great. Well, you know what? I'll start here. I'll start here because uh, I, I, I'm curious. We obviously came in, uh, Andrew, I believe you're a year, two years younger than me. We um, came in at a, in, a, in a different era and each passing day that seems more and more different, doesn't it? But, you know, when you were growing up, I mean, I saw you, you were 15, 16 years old. Oakville Blades, what were you, 16 there? And the uh, Georgetown uh, Raiders? I was... 15. Um, I played 20 something games for the Caledon Canadians, which was a Metro Junior League. And, you know, it was a tough league for a 15 year old. So I um, left there and I went to try the uh, Oakville Blades, played a few games there. I can't remember how many games I played, but I was there. For, I, was in, I was the Provincial Junior League. So I was a 15 year old trying to cut it pretty much in the highest level you could play at at 15. And, uh, then I ended up playing Bantam that year. I just decided to go play Bantam. I was building with a family. I went and played Bantam in, uh, in the MTHL. 
but uh, yeah, I bounced around a little bit that year. Almost quit hockey, to be honest with you. Well, the the reason I'm wondering because a lot of a lot of people, a question that I often get, because um, I did, you know, I. I mean, you and I got in a fight. We'll talk about that soon. I mean, we we did a lot of fighting, but a lot of people will come and they'll, they'll either be surprised when I coach a bit of hockey, or they'll, um, or they yeah, basically because you know every YouTube highlight and a lot of them are fights and oh, so you could score. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, there was a point when you're younger and and you know my career was a little different than yours, but yours, if you're looking at it, it clear. Okay, this guy was a tough guy, but if you're playing junior at 15. And you had to be able to do it. And usually talk to Jody Shelley or yourself or LaRock or whoever it might be down the list. They, they start as, you know, having to, they have to change their game because they're actually talented. Not that you're not. They're playing the NHL. But you know what I'm saying. When yes, did, I know exactly what you mean. When you're did not you say, fuck me. it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop my gloves? I think, okay, here's the thing, right? Like, I'm looking at your numbers too. But didn't – I was always – I was always um, – I was always under the impression that if you played hockey the right way, that you might have to fight. That's how I, because I, I mean, I wasn't Gretzky, yeah. I wasn't Lemieux, I wasn't. You're not a superstar, but I mean, if you, if you're playing hockey at a young age to make a team, right? Like I was, and I was you're one of the. Yes, I was big. I don't know that I was the biggest. We had some other big kids on our team when I was Rob Davison, who ended up playing in the NHL, was on my team growing up as a kid. He was a big kid, physical defenseman, his whole life. Uh, and he had to fight too. And I think, I, I think it's one of those things where you either are, you know, once you try, I remember my first fight, Terry, I remember my oh, very man. first fight and I got the crap kicked out of me. It was Trevor Gillies it was my first ever fight. Oh my God. So I wrote that, to, you know, okay. So I got a book coming up. Top three punches I've ever taken is one chapter and he's one of them. Really? Oh my God. Oh fuck. Yeah. I don't know. We so. I fought a lot of guys before you go on because and I know we've got that in common. I mean, again, we, we sit, you like to throw you, put it this way. A lot of people would go through their career and fight and they really don't know what many punches feel like because they wrestle, but we didn't. We, we threw punches. I know what it's like to be hit by him. I don't know if it was just lucky the way he hit me because I'm sure Ty Domi is a, you know, he hit me with some good ones too. You, you've got a punch. It's, am I wrong? Was he known for that? Or was, did he just hit me? He, well, first of all, the biggest problem with Trevor for any guy he was fighting was that he loved it. Yeah. That's a scary thing right there. I mean, yeah. I don't know how much you loved it. No, no, I did. But I, I think I that do by, it. by the, yep. by what I'm, by what I'm telling you, I think you can sense that I didn't love it, but I, I think it's, you're willing to do it, but he, he enjoyed it. Like I was texting with him a while ago and he sent me this un unbelievable fight. He was 38, 39 years old. I'm, I retired when I was halfway through my 30th year. Like, uh, I was between 30, 31. I retired midway through the year. I actually didn't retire. I quit. But, um, and he sent me this video. And I was like, buddy, what's going on? Long time. And he's been, he left me some unbelievable voicemails. Now, I have a long history with, with the Gill Dog. Okay? okay long, long. I, I we live together. No. Yes. We live oh, together. So, and we never fought in pro. And he was my very, very first fight ever. And I'll tell you, I mean, if you want to get into it, I mean, I bet we can rap for hours on this stuff. But, yeah, we probably could. So, he loved to do it. So, he sent me this video. And... It was from a cell phone, okay? And it's he and this, and I looked the kid up. I think the kid was 23 and Gillies was 38, okay? So this was a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. And it's toe-to-toe, -to -toe 
and it's shot for shot. And it's not like the way I fought later in my career where I would string a guy out and, you know, if I hit him, fine. If I don't, as, as long as it looks good type thing. Yeah. Like get your five minutes, prove your point, get the fans cheering. Get, yes, as long as the boys get, on the team know that the job was done, it really doesn't your, matter beyond that. 100%. Get your name over the PA system. Let yeah. everybody know you're still alive, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so he, and I, I sent back, the first thing I sent was, okay, that's not game footage, so who took that? And I think it was his wife. And I said, how does she feel about you doing this? He's like, oh, she loves it. Loves wow. it. I'm just like, wow. Like, like, I, I know. Fighting like, guys like that is another dimension. of I, Get out there. I, I would get nervous. Hey, guys like that, don't they get excited? I would get nervous, and there's a difference. But when I, when I got on the ice, just my whatever it is inside, you know, that, that competitive people would ask me about the nerves. And I'd say, well, I don't think if it was for that, though, and I was that competitive that I wouldn't have been there in the first place because that's one of the things that separates the men from the boys early. Now, when you're getting in and you actually, like I remember Francis Lassard, I don't know if you came oh. across him, but he loved oh, it yeah. too. He really, yeah. really enjoyed fighting. And every game I would line up and he'd be looking over, lip and, licking his lips. It looked like, I felt like a, what? Like, like what's, what's it? Bullfighting. Like I was just waiting. He was just coming at me and I, <clears throat> I was like a tease, you know, like a warm up. But but whatever I did it, you, you when you get into it, I'm not complaining in any way either. It's just a different animal because you know that's part of what you're doing. And I I, I think and I'm not putting you down in pro. I scored a little bit more than you, but I didn't play the NHL games. If I had been up, I think I would have been similar to what you did. You know, you're playing in the NHL the whole time, so stats can be deceiving when there's a league with only the 700 best players in the world in it, right? And and you're you have a job to do. Well, ask Darren Langdon, who led the Maritime Junior A, the Junior A League in scoring and more than one year had no goals in the NHL. Just, that's just the way it works. Little hands. Yeah. Little hands. Ter Ter I don't even know him, but that's all yeah. I know about him. Is, and I fought him three times my rookie year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, from, he's, but, uh, he's from Newfoundland. He, played, he came back and extended his career uh, in the Senior League, and we played against each other for years. He's a good buddy, though. I just brought him up because, he, yeah, Langer is like – didn't work out much, like played ball hockey all summer and then just go to camp and be a good fighter. It's crazy. Did you, pra did you practice? Did I practice fighting? Mm. Or, or did it become, like, like you said when, <clears throat> earlier when you said, you know, your first fight, I remember that too. Again, I'll, I'll go, I don't know why I'm focusing so much on fighting here, but th this will be our little segment. If you look at our penalty minutes, I think it might pretty much explain it. Yeah. Right. But you yeah. know what though, too, like who can you really talk about fighting with that really gets it right? Like yeah. when, when you have a buddy or someone that they're like, what was it like fighting this guy or this guy? And you like, the, you're not talking to someone that truly can. No, I understand there's greater fears out there in the world than being a, an enforcer in the NHL. Yeah. But bare-knuckle fighting is not exciting. So, you know, when you're talking to somebody that's lived it, been through it, even down the same path, I, I, I absolutely I love it because I don't talk about it much. I try not to talk about fighting too much, but that's probably why we talk about well, it. Well, there's, there's so much. And so I'm yeah, – that, that's part, part of the next book that I'm writing. Here I am plugging my book on your segment. But I, I, I Plug away. To... <laughs> Plug away because the first book was a hit. It, it, it worked out. I think – you know what happens sometimes – because I wasn't a big enough name coming out. I mean, way back when I went in the first round, I was. But a lot of years had passed. But I think what helped me there was being such a suitcase and having such a up-and-down career because in each, each of these stops that I made, people really supported it and, and bought, bought the book. Because it, it sold like, it was like a four or five-time bestseller. Um, 
which in Canada only means 5,000. Where you are, our best seller is 50,000. But we, we have a tenth of people. But anyway, the, the new one, um, as I digress again and again, um, is I had a, I, it just started as a chapter on, on fighters. And then I just ended up, it's like half the book because I don't even really know where I'm going to go with it. But I just started to write. And I was like, you know, there's so many differences, first of all. One different, when you're talking hockey fighting, it's not, it's, there's more of a, I hate to, there's more of a, a skill, there's, there's more of a consistency in the, the way everybody on the ice lets it happen. If you look at, people say, well, they don't fight in basketball. Yes, they do. They don't as much, but every year, at least four or five times, there's a punch thrown in football. No, they don't. Yes, they do. It happened last year. They just can't do mm -hmm. it. They get, so, but in guy hockey, hit him, guy hit a guy over the head with a helmet. I mean, tell me what's worse. Yeah, right. That's yeah, exactly. And then you get uh, what other major sports that they about baseball. Uh, oh, oh, NASCAR baseball. has fights. NASCAR, baseball, even if if, yeah. you, if you piss a guy off, you're not wearing a the equipment that we are. You, I don't want to be. I don't want a hundred and two mile an hour fastball thrown at my head ever, never. So, and it happens. And then when there's a fight, it's just everybody for themselves. People are kicking. They got cleats on their <laughs> heads. They're hockey. People are like, oh, they, it's, it's so, it's so much part of the game. They just let it happen. I'm like, yeah, there's a respect, right? You go and you, you break from the crowd, the referees, the fans, the players, they all know it. They'll let you do your thing. They'll jump in when there's someone in, in grave danger. But for the most part, they let you do. It's almost, there's a, there's a dance. There's a finesse about it. There's right. So there's that. And then there's an art to it. No question. There's an, there's an art. There's, there's definitely an art to it. Like for an art, like, you know, there's arts to now guys that do jujitsu and all that stuff would kick our ass, but they have an art to what they do. Every Not if they were on the ice, they wouldn't. I don't. Yeah. I wonder. Right? They'd have to be able to skate. Used, well, I know, but if they could skate and do martial arts, if they arts, could, if they, could but if they, they can, yeah. if there is yeah, one this, that could, yes, but they like, can't. I'd one punch. I'd one punch Bruce Lee on the ice, you know, mm. <laughs> on the ice. Exactly. Right. On the ice. Whenever I'm talking on, about fighting, actually, let, let's clarify on that on skates. Yeah. On <laughs> skates on the ice. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, in much, much the same way. I mean, I joke, but that, that's what I find. Um, that's one of the things people take for granted. You can't just, and we tried it in Fredericton. Michelle Therrien, mark my words, he called in a guy named Guy Yves Gagnon. Yves Gagnon. He was playing like senior B or somebody. He's a killer. He's like a he was a, a bouncer at a strip club, and people thought toughness went with that. Well, it does, first of all, in every way. But Eve, if you can't skate, I know you can skate to play in the senior B league, but if you don't have good balance, I'm just gonna do I'm gonna shake you around, I'm gonna kick the shit out of you, and my yeah. arms are three times smaller than yours. Um, well, you must have seen that uh, fight show the movie years ago with the chief de laval yeah i saw that yeah okay yeah. like the big guy they brought in i know remember the yeah. big guy i can't remember his name but they brought I'd love him in to fight him yeah well he couldn't stand up like he, shake him around yeah he was I he i mean he was he you see him off the ice he's a monster yeah i wouldn't want anything he, to do with him off the ice <laughs> yeah he's, that's exactly right that's exactly that's why you pat him on the head after yeah. you kick his ass and you say hey great job bud great yeah job. exactly because you, you don't know, want him to catch you in the hallway Fortunately, yeah, I've run into lots of guys like that. And fortunately for me, it was a hockey fight, not a bar fight. You know why? You, well, you ask about the second book and you say, like, you know, I don't know exactly where you're going to go with it. I, I think that's what you said. But yeah, have you ever stopped to think that, that, like, I have a son. He's seven. 
Yeah. He doesn't really play hockey. He loves soccer, basketball. My daughter's sport. Too. My daughter's soccer, Which, basketball. Doesn't play hockey. I, I love it. I love it. You know what? It's like find your own path. Totally. And 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 do what you want to do. But so so. I think but, having a team team atmosphere. I think that team learning helps you in life. Whatever the sport is, kind of yeah. relevant. Well, he will know because there's still some fighting in hockey now, and he's yeah. you know like say shame on me or whatever, but he's aware that I played in the NHL, but I've shown him a few of my scraps. Like he, yeah. I don't condone fighting or anything like that. Uh, he's not, we're a, in a different bro. time now. We're in a yeah. Different. Yeah. Well, that's exactly where I'm going with this is yeah, that yeah. his kids. So my grandkids, if I'm lucky enough to, and fortunate enough yeah. to be around to see them, um, will think, will not even believe what we did. No, they're going to be like this. They actually did this. Yeah, they actually like in hockey. They allow. They were allowed to do that. It, like, it'll it'll be like us looking at goalies with no face mask. Watched a game from the fifties the other day with my brother. Yeah, and same thing. I'm like, man, like, how do they do this? Like, how do? And these guys are like, uh, Paul Matier's diving like face first at the puck with with it's no mask. It's, Those um, it's Gump, crazy. Gump highlights where he's <laughs> stretching his neck so he can hit it out of the net with his forehead. I mean, I, yeah, I, I know. There's, but again. Things evolve, and that is like back then. There was six teams in the NHL, and if you wanted to play and you wanted to be a goalie, this. So I'm sure there wasn't a lot, a lot of people that wanted to be an ice hockey goalie back then. Not like now. I mean, I I really don't know. But someone brought that up. I, it was actually Alec Faulkner, the first NHLer from Newfoundland, and his him and his brother George are legends. George still skates. They're, both unbelievable hockey players, legend, really innovated, uh, innovators of the game here. But that's one of the things that George brought up to me. I, I never thought about it before. He was like, you know, now, and, you know, you, you laugh at the goalies, and you guys must say, you know, why are you guys taking those slap shots? But he said, back then, like, really? There, a lot of people, a lot, did not want to do it. And the people coming in would, would be nervous before the game, and they'd know they might get a shot in the face. And they did it anyway. And he said there just wasn't as many people going for the goalie position because it was crazy. It was crazy enough to play with no helmet out. I don't care where you are. Now, there's, if you look way back, Andrew, way back, say, say 80 years, we're back with the rocket. Most shots were low. Everybody was using that stick, that straight stick. It still might hit something and come up. I wouldn't have been the guy getting in that. But I often look at those like four or five years when the change was happening with Makita and Bobby Hall. And Bobby Hall got clocked at 101. And there was goalies with no mask. Uh, how in the fuck did that happen? You better hope that one of your guys and your team is willing to block that shot. <laughs> At least try to get a piece of it. It's unbelievable that that well, would the, from And not even the head. How about just from like the waist up? Even the pants. The pants. Yeah. All they had were pads. Like pretty much the, the pads on their legs. And then if you watch, they're not nearly as long as they are now. They went up just past their knee. They squatted yeah. way down. They squatted way down because their pants didn't help. Their, their pants were player pants. The old suspenders, they were just flopping around. But That's what I can't understand. I know that the technology wasn't there to make great gear, but give me some gear. Like, it's <laughs> flaps on the shoulders. We laugh, and it's like old school, but that should have been no school. There's no time I can think. Like, I wouldn't want to skate onto the ice with Gordy Howe and not have shoulder pads on. Like, you know, not good ones or whatever everybody was good someone must have gotten an elbow in the face no one went you know maybe i should put a helmet on anyway uh, <laughs> uh, okay one of my favorite sports quotes okay is simple 
It's hard to beat a person that never gives up. That's Babe Ruth. Do you have a favorite sports quote or do you have a personal motto? Mm. Mm. You know what? My dad was an athletic director at a private school in St. Catharines. And he always, he had this, I don't know who the saying was by actually. I, I think I might, but I don't know. I should look it up. I have no idea to this day what it means, but it sounds pretty good. Okay. So you let me run it by you here. Okay. Okay. This isn't my father's, but he had it up. And my dad, yeah, he 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 was a great coach, coach squash at Princeton University. You know, whoa, like, whoa, 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 whoa. Your father coached squash at Princeton. Did yes, I hear that right? Are, are you gonna rip me for that? Because Craig, no, Ray it just seems out of left field. No, I wouldn't. There's my no dad, my dad was a, my not... dad was a tennis and squash player. My mom was a swimmer. Okay, my so dad played. My dad played. No, no, no. What sport? No, I wasn't going to go where you thought I was. That's merely interesting. I mean, sports is sport. You got it. Give me a give me an athletic kid. Um, give me Patrick Kane. Put him in England. I bet you he's a decent soccer player. I'm not saying he makes, but you know, athletes are athletes. I, it's no surprise to me. A, if you're Parents are both uh, dedicated uh, athletes and accomplished that you guys are. Before we get there, I keep forgetting, and I mean to say it's in the beginning, your brother. Jeff is a couple years older, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, Jeff yeah. did play I hockey. still haven't told you that sports saying yet. Okay, yeah, go go with that first. Fuck. If you win, no, if you win, say nothing. If you lose, say less. Yeah. Okay. Like, I think that's a really deep saying. It's almost like, you know, it's like be humble. Be humble, you know, when you lose, you know, like maybe it's not make excuses, but maybe it's just, you know, talk about maybe why things didn't go your nope. way or whatever. Like, totally. you know, where, you know, don't like jump I, the gun. Don't jump the gun. Don't open your mouth to your, like, the, the first thing comes into my mind is Wayne Gretzky when he talks about the Oilers won five cups, four with Gretzky. Um, but, their first loss was the end of that uh, New York Islanders run, the, the three or four that the Islanders won. In. Yeah. And he often says, you know, after that first year and they lost in game five or six, whenever it was, but he said, we were all good and we were leaving. And he said, they just won the Stanley Cup and they were icing. It, it was loud. Obviously they won, but like guys were bagged. They were in there. They're, the actual players were dead and they were tired and they weren't loud. And he said, we saw the whole party as we were leaving. And he said, that really woke us up kind of, Alludes to what you said in a little bit. I like that. I remember hearing that. Uh, okay, here it is. Paul Brown. You know who Paul Brown is? I don't. If you win, say nothing. If you lose, say less. So that I'd say that would be my favorite because uh, it always stuck with me. I know Paul Brown from CBS that works at the uh, carpet uh, store. I, I doubt that's the same Paul Brown. I doubt they'd be quoting him. <laughs> anyway, Paul Brown's probably a football player. Uh, You're asking about my brother Jeff. Yeah, yeah, Jeff, Jeff. So, what a small those world, there, eh? The hockey world's a crazy. Small I didn't know world, it was your brother. It? So, for those out there that don't know, in '98, '99, I I've alluded to it a couple of times. Montreal used to give us money, and we could train wherever. One year, we went to Sweden, Brad Brown and I, to Vasteris, Sweden. And How'd that go? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it, it it a lot of training being done there. I bet. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was. That was I. I can say that I was at Sweden and I spent a summer in Sweden. Other than that, it was really fucked because you know they 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 were going two a days in like July, and I did not want that. And Brownie and I just 
I'll work hard, but you know, come on, you're taking most of my time off anyway. You know, like we, I always find in pro hockey, you're kind of penalized. If you, you, that year in the A, we went to the final. Okay, so we don't get a ring or the semifinal. We're done in June 8th. We don't get a ring, and I got to be back in August? What the fuck? Right? So then we, to go to Sweden and do two days was kind of, and you know, the, 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 the timing was off, the culture, we didn't know the language. It was a real nice spot. What do I remember I loved about it? Um, uh, who was, you know who was there with us? Nick Lindstrom went. Oh, we wow. Had, we had a guy on our team, Peter Popovich. He was about 6'10. Oh, man, this guy was tall. And uh, he needed to work on his skating, though. You know, that he was tall so he could play, but, you know, he needed to work on that. So we went with him, and Nicholas Lindstrom was there, and Tommy Sallow, the goalies, in this little place called Vasteris. We went like fishing, but, you know, it wasn't the atmosphere we wanted. I'm talking too much. Did you ever do that? I mean, you must have gone somewhere. Or did you just go straight to Buffalo? We could have done that, too, but, you know, it was just boring. No, I I, uh, I went to Sweden and played during the lockout in uh, 04, 05. It was That's why I asked, how did it go? Because uh, that is the greatest place on earth. Yeah. I, I, tell, I tell anyone and everyone that well, we, Sweden is, it's the, it's like Northern Ontario. It is good, yeah. And it is like, it's in terms of like landscape and every, everybody over there is healthy. They're beautiful people. They're nice people. Their culture's yeah, very... different. They're, they're, you know, they all go to the military and do, you know, like it's. I can't argue it there one bit. I thought you were, I, the only thing, I can't say it upset me because I, I needed to work on my skating. I don't know that I needed to be like on July 3rd out there twice a day and hula hoops and fucking running over hurdles and, you know, benching my own weight fucking 25 times. It was just a little intense. And I did, I did love for July. Right, but that was I, now it's kind of a yes. happy medium. Then it was either like a lot of people, like my first year going to junior, like a lot of people didn't even train in the off season, like a lot. You know, you had to be expected to be your weight. Come to camp in the same weight you left. We'll do everything else ourselves. Within five years, it was at that level. Like now it's kind of happy medium. You know, you train, but all of a sudden, when when one guy like did one extra week in Brainerd, Minnesota, all of a sudden every prospect in North America had to go to fucking camp. Two a days, July. I hated that shit. That ruined that ruined hockey for a lot of people. Yeah, man. Hockey became like I don't know what age you were when hockey became not fun to play. But Michelle, too. I was I was twenty when I met the day I met Michelle Terrian. I won't get into that, but anyway. anyway. Oh, I've heard a lot. Of, I've heard a lot about Michelle Terrian. That's it. So, I just I mean, didn't like. It. I just didn't. Like I, I, mine might have been younger than that. Yeah, maybe. You know, mine, when might it starts- been, mine might have been younger than that because, I mean, circling back to the start of this conversation, my first fight with Trevor Gillies at 15, I, I remember I was moving away from home to play Tier 2 Junior A. And I had to fight. I was 6'4", 15. Oh, yeah. Right? That's why Gillies came after me. He's, I was the biggest guy in the ice. You know what I mean? And so, I, like, but see, I was you, like, you know what? You know what? Suck. Although we have a lot in common. We're both forwards. We're both top top picks first second round pick you went second round right um yep. we both shoot left we both fought the same kind of guys but i'll tell you what the mental advantage is that i had that you didn't and you couldn't get away from it when i was 14 and 15 i went to bc and i'm playing junior i'm fighting these guys if i win it's a bonus it's a lark it's like oh my god look at this newfoundland kid he's here to score and you know he's and i'm 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 not huge though i'm i'm six foot 
and a ch- and change 190 you, and I know that's fairly but you're coming in at no point are you looked at it be an underdog there's the tough guy and I never I did not like being that guy it, it happened a few times and then everything changes then you got to go out there and, and it, be, it almost feels like a job it can be lonely it can be there's all kinds of things I like like the first time I fought Domi and everything people look at it now and go well you know because I got these fights you know, people look back and they put me in that category. I'm like, no, no, no. That's why when I fought him, it was such a story because he was Ty Domi. And I was 18 yeah. coming in, a kid. But looking in retrospect, a lot of people that now, oh, Terry played in the NHL, they don't realize that. You, right off the bat, coming in, are expected to give these guys goes. And I can't, it must be a little bit different mental preparation that goes with that. Well, especially when, like, um, like, I don't think I was dirty, but I like to hit. Who didn't like to hit? Well, I actually, I know a lot of guys that didn't like to hit. That's why they didn't advance. But Weren't you rated one of the best hitters in the O? No, I don't think so. I, thought, I, don't, I, I don't know. I, I, I thought I was a good hitter. I like to hit. I mean, I, I tried to throw a lot of checks, so a lot of them. But, like, I've hurt some guys. I know that from body checking, but that's the thing. Like, you know, you come and get challenged. I mean, I remember the first time getting chased around by a guy. He played for... Collingwood, I was 16 and he was 20 and he was calling me by my number. Like I wore number 44 and he goes, Hey fours, let's go. And I wasn't tearing up the game by any means, but I was like, I was there to be a first or second round pick in the OHL draft. I ended up going in the second round and I was there to like play my one year. I, I knew I'd have to fight, but, but I, I don't, like, I didn't play dirty and this guy was chasing me around. And I just remember, like, I just remember I didn't, I did not fight him. I was scared and I was willing to fight him, but it was an exhibition game. Number one. And number two, I just remember turning to him and I, you know, and I said something kind of mean, you know, like about where he's going to be playing. And well, you, you, you know, you got 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 to start your chirp. You got to start having some chirps. I, you know, I I did. I was 16. I said, buddy, I'm 16. You're 20. I said, you're done after this year. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm right in the first round of the OHL draft. Of course, you, know, you got to. You got to say that, though. Like you got to come back with something. Yeah. I'm like, you can't even skate. He was, you know, he's the guy that had, like, the toe down. You know, the guys that skated really wide, and they had, like, the blade facing down to the ice. And they're like, yeah. you know those guys? Yeah. But yeah. see, again, the, the era that we came in, it's an odd, it was an odd time. And just then, you, you said your first or second round pick, second was at OHL, then there. Then 35th in the OHL, yeah, you don't 34th in the NHL. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. There's a little toot. My own there heart. is a toot. Uh, that is, that's pretty fucking impressive. But again, impressive because if you know, to follow your later in your career, I don't think a lot of people would have assumed that you went second overall or second round in the O draft. And that just shows you, you have n- good, no good idea player. how often I hear. So my draft pick in like when I was drafted in the NHL, that was a seventh pick in the second round. Because there were only 27 teams. The Rangers had the seventh pick in the first round. I think they drafted Manny Malhotra. Great pick. He's a great pick. He was a great player. Unbelievable yeah. player in Bantam. Played against him in Bantam. Unbelievable junior player. Unbelievable NHLer. Played in the NHL at 18, by the way. Um, a specimen physically. Yeah, but, I remember. Good but state. so the seventh pick in the second round belonged to the Rangers, but it was traded to Buffalo. Do you know who, you know who the Rangers got earlier that year? No. Pat LaFontaine. Wow. So in in theory, 
the Sabres acquire Andrew Peters for Pat Lafontaine. I mean, that's like Volpot for Gretzky. You know what I mean? It's like that's a like yeah yeah. So so I hear that now. No, I don't, but he's unbelievable on Twitter, though. I've heard he's an amazing guy. That's yeah, all I played I've with him heard. a little bit because my first year in Freddie, we split with L.A. Like, we split the, the, the prospects, and he was with L.A. And then in, in the West, yeah, Rob Vopes is just a spectacular guy. He's, he's the same way. Like, he used to always talk about fighting and everything, but I really think, like, had it not been there, I don't think he would have done it as much. Like, he was in that same position. Uh, anyway, anyway, one day have him on your show. You'll like it. Um, what were we talking about? No, oh. we were talking about how I was traded for LaFontaine and how I hear about it all the time. It's, I don't hear about it all the time, but it comes up every now and then. You know, you know what I was going to say uh, earlier? Yeah, I, I, yeah, and it would, of course. He's one of the best players ever from the United States. Uh, but uh, Well, overall, even. Um, I was going to say the tough guys earlier. The other thing about them they were the most personable. They were the most charitable with their time and their money. At least I found. I mean, not always. I mean, obviously, sometimes players have more money. But I found like they were usually not making the most on the team, and they would run the tunes. They would, they would keep it loose. They, you know, the first people to go to hospitals and visit children because, you know, the main guys probably don't have the time to do that and energy. And I, that's one thing. You know, you look back, and I'm, I'm like, hey, say what you want about these people that – are villains almost in the eyes of the public at times. But I can almost say each team I went, I was on without exception <laughs> that those guys were the most personable. I mean, I don't know what your experience was. I've um, never played. I've never played with tough, like tre- we circle back and talk about Trevor Gillies, absolute wild man on the ice, off the ice. One of the nicest, friendliest guys you'll ever meet. Just a great Right, Great and, and, the re- that, and that's the reason that they're like. I can my buddy Bird Dog, whose birthday two days ago. He's dead now. He died a couple of years ago. Yeah, Greg, Greg Smith. Smith uh, yeah, he was just crazy on the ice. But the same thing. The reason that and and then off the ice people will go, wow, I can't believe he's such such a nice guy, such a team kind of guy. I'm like, well, but that's why he was like that on the ice because he was being a teammate for his team. So you might see him because you're a Habs fan or a Chicago fan as a total nutbar, which. Of course, he had some nuts energy out there for sure, but mm-hmm. his teammates loved him. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and you what, know what? I'm watching this last dance right now with the Chicago Bulls, and that's kind of how I view. That's how I view Dennis Rodman. Yeah, same yeah. same kind of thing. I don't know how far into that. Let me ask you a question about Greg Smith for a second. I heard an unbelievable story that. Jason, he played with Jason Bond Sr., I think. In, I, was, uh, in, I was there that year. I, I made the move over to St. John's. Oh, yes. You tell me what you heard. So, so I love Jason Bond Sr. I was a big, he played junior with my brother Jeff, who we started to talk about. And I'd love to know more about some stories about you and Jeff. But I heard that because I think Adam Mayer was on that team. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Okay. Then you guys were, just correct me as I go here. You were at her hibachi grill in Portland. In Portland, Maine. Yeah, playing the Pirates. Okay. Yeah. I, I probably know the Hibachi Grill because my brother played there too, so I go visit him. So I, yeah. I probably know where you guys were. But anyway, you're at a Hibachi Grill. And I don't know what was said, but I know that I think Bond Sr. said something. Because, you know, he was, he was a – Bond he Sr. Was a, did say something. Yeah. Okay, Bond Sr. said something. And Bond Sr. Kind of has, a, has a very interesting story. I mean, very I know a lot story. of it. So, so I'll tell you something before you keep going. So, okay. In, in Tri-Cities – I knew Bonsignor real early. 
in Tri Cities, we Tri City were one of those Western League teams that like reached outside and like like Seattle. Like you'd go like, how did Darren Quint get to Seattle? He's from Boston. How did Tri City get Brian Boucher from Rhode Island? Right, like well. There was a, the American teams, at least in our division, would, would bring, guys, bring, bring guys out. So we brought a guy from Rochester, Minnesota, named Brent Ascroft. And Ash Ascroft was a great junior. He was just too small in that era, but like point of game. He was their big prospect the year before I got there. And he played with Bonsignor growing up. So I knew of it. And I, he would tell me these stories. And Bonsignor, even in like Bantam and Pee Wee, would have his gear just like Lemieux. Like he looked oh. like Mario Lemieux. Oh and my! Oh my God! Like he, he, identical. His style was like him. Now he wasn't Mario, but go ahead. Identical to Mario Lemieux. Identical, yeah, yeah. Identical. <laughs> I say that to people, and they're like, "Oh yeah, come he on. played." I'm, like, no. exactly. I'm going to get to the story about Bertie. He played junior with my brother Jeff, and and the whole league switched over to the other to the new Cooper helmets, and, and he, he still wore the, wore the he wore the Messier. Yeah, and they switched over to the new gloves, and he wore the Technoflex, and he he. You know, every yeah, it was yeah. He was he was Mario Lemieux. If he tried to be more like Jason Bond, Bond Senior than Mario Lemieux, he would have been a special player. One of the biggest, most yeah. talented players I've ever been on the ice with. I've shared what? ice with yeah. him, and I played with him in St. John's. And to be honest with you, I got along with Bond Senior. Like if we were, if I was talking about anything but hockey. Now I don't know if his mind was warped, but as soon as like say we were in St. John's and we were out for a meal. You know, he used to hang around with Nemirovsky, David Nemirovsky, coaching overseas now, a few more. Mayor was on our team. DJ Smith was on our team, Sean Thornton, whoever. So we're all out. Ryan Pepperall from the O, he was a good good guy. Niagara Falls boy. Niagara Falls cop now in Niagara Falls. It yeah. doesn't surprise yeah. me one bit. But he, I, I thought Peps, with the right break, he was just a reminder. He's a third liner in the NHL, just like up and down, do his job. Um, but anyway. Top but nails. Any, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so... Bonce is there, though, and, like, we would go out, and as soon as you brought up hockey, ah, well, you know, I was playing here, and this guy fucked me over. And, and it was always, it was always, but, and now, but he could have been justified, and it could have been just a, men, you know, when you're a prospect in those years, I often tell people, they're very frustrating. If you're, like, 21, 22, 23 as a hockey player, you're, like, in between these worlds that don't make sense a lot of it. You don't have any control over it. You're... So I can see how him having gone fifth overall ahead of Ryan Smith at that point would have been wanting to rip his hair out. He didn't seem like an asshole to me. He, he was definitely cynical, but maybe he had a reason to be. Am I wrong? Was he, was he... Well, I don't, know him that, I don't know him that well, but yes, I, I mean, that, that's kind of like I, I always – I don't even think he liked hockey. Yeah, that's what he seemed like. I, I mean, like I, I – Like he I, didn't I seem like a total it. jerk cancer. He wasn't in the room going like, fuck you guys, right? No, he, I just don't, I yeah. just don't think he – I just don't think he – I just don't think he really liked hockey. I think he was just playing because he was super, super good. Like, he was into dirt bikes and stuff. I know. He was. He, exactly. That was and his thing. Like, he, in the room, he used to have those fucking little <laughs> motorcycle books and stuff. Yeah. That, that's, that's why he wore 64 because his dad was a big-time dirt biker racer, and he was number 64. I was and Von Sr. bought a dirt bike track early on and, with his signing bonus in, uh, in Rochester, I think. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, he was so, really in, and I think he's still riding now to this day. Probably. Anyway, we had yeah, him on was the a show. Passion. Well, I bet him. you anything he is, because hockey wasn't his passion. Motorbikes were, right? Well, I'd say hockey probably wasn't his passion. I, 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 was but but he was overall. so, he was just that good, that big, that strong. So Greg Smith, Bond says something to him. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what he said. So they yeah, were chirping, but you know, bird, part of Bird's makeup was chirping. Um, 
you know, are those your legs or did you ride in on a pig to someone short? Whatever. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just remember him saying that to, to a real short player and one of the, I think Chris Albert was his name. Just like, it was always something with Bird Dog. That was, and he, if, he, if he was doing it to you, he loved you. You know what I mean? That's 90% of most teams. You get but, in trouble nowadays for saying that, though. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> some know. player, some young kid on a team would go to HR. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's totally different. And you'd all just bring your video games. If I brought my video game, I would have gotten actually beaten up by one of the guys. Not, not like reprimanded. If I brought my video game and didn't go to the team meal, it, it was over. But anyway, and now it's like the other way around. I hear, I hear, I hear. But uh, yeah, that's, so he looked, they were chirping each other, light, lighthearted. Bird was trying to get him out of his funk. Because I remember Bird going like, and I'd just been traded there. I, the two years before this, I played for Fredericton against Bird Dog. He was a madman. Bird Dog shot pucks. He came onto our ice and t- shot pucks at our bench during practice. This is true. So I knew him as a fucking nut bar. He respected Jeez. me. I knew that much. And he lived in Newfoundland because he moved here. But I just came back. I didn't really know him that well yet. I knew him enough to fuck around with him. Like anybody that fought or played tough, Bird, kind of like his friend already. But anyway, I'd just gotten there. And to be totally honest with you, at the beginning when all this happened, I wasn't there yet. I was meeting Thority and Pep and the DJ. And uh, just getting ready down to that place you, you spoke of. What was the name of it again? Oh, I can't, I can't remember the name of it, but it was the Hibachi Grill. Yes, yes, Portland, that's right? what, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, not far from the rink. And so anyway, he looks at Bird and says, yeah, well, when, when I'm 31, whatever Bird was, I believe 31, when I'm 31, the last place I'll be is fucking assist, assistant coach of a yam-yam team in fucking Atlantic Canada. To that effect, he knocked in front team. of In front of the teammates? Oh, yeah, he knocked the team, Bird. Yeah, yeah, it, it was something to do with that. Not verbatim because it's 20 years ago, but that's everybody will tell you insulted Bird Dog, hockey in general, the team, like all with this blanket statement. So Bird got pissed that when I walked in, this had already happened. But Bird flipped up the table, went over it, like grabbed him and, and like kind of threw him down. And, and whatever he said then, you know, don't you ever fuck, you know, he was Bird Dog. Then he grabbed him and, and threatened his fucking life, basically. <laughs> Bird, yeah, yeah, that happened. And then what happens, though? What happens? Bird gets fired. So I don't think they thought that one out because now Bonsignor got a target on his back. You know what I mean? Like he was, he was probably just caught in the wrong place. And when Bonsignor chirped Bird, it didn't sound like it. If I said those exact words, it kind of would have sounded like I was kidding around. But when Bonsignor said it, because he didn't chirp back much, you're right. He had his head buried in motorbike magazines and stuff. And he was like cynical. And again, because of what was happening to him. And I get that. But the way he responded, Again, it sounded like a cut, like beyond yeah. breaking balls. And that's but Berg got fired, man. So then, you know, I'm well, Bonds wasn't lying at 31. He was, he wasn't, he definitely season. wasn't going to. No, there's so much, it's so much to unpack because he wasn't yeah. lying and he did get chirped at, but it's just, it sounded like a sooky answer rather than a chirp. No, but I didn't, I don't mean like he wasn't lying from the standpoint of I know, like I he know. was wrong. I just meant like at 31, I think he was retired. But you look at where. And I'm not trying to make this conversation about Bond Sr., but I just think it's hockey in general because there's nobody would even think that this guy was fourth overall in the 94 draft. And by this point, by this point, you got to think about where he was mentally in his career. Well, I mean, yeah, like he had already been passed over by Edmonton, then Tampa. And he's bouncing around the minors. He's probably on an AHL deal with the Leafs. And a a guy like you or me, Right, early on, whatever we're 
we get into a situation and I mean, I might talk about fighting, but I could handle it and I like doing it for my teammates and I could do it. And that if it had it been today's game, just not quite as physical, I, I think Bonsignor would have been a much better. He was terrified out there from what I saw. Now, I don't know if I ran into him late if like, cause he was 22, was he? he was third year, our third year pro, but I've never seen anybody less into the game. He wasn't, what's the word? Um, engaging he wasn't engaging at all and not, not not only fighting just like going to get the puck if he had the puck on his stick he was great but he's not going in the corner to get it and you're not going to put the two best like you know in, in junior say we always found a way to get damon lankow the puck that's why i was on his line okay you can fight a bit you can pass but bonsignor was never going to have the two best passers because craig sharon would have had them because he was working harder kevin adams would have had them not not that either one of them were had the talent but bonsignor Buck, he, was, he just wasn't trying. Now, put a guy like that on the third or fourth line, he looks even worse. So, to me, Craig, I could, you know, it just looked like Sharon. a guy that didn't want to be there. Craig Sharon. Craig Sharon. He was on the team then, passed away a few years ago. Did yeah. you play with Craig? I, I play with him in Rochester. And you know what's funny? Not yeah. funny, but you know what is a, he is. And I, I think about him yeah, often. Yeah, too. That's, that's, how, that's how good of a guy he was. The ultimate professional. To, Come into the minors with, you know, just like he was Mark Recchi in the show, like come to approach the game the same, always there to lend advice. I'm talking too much. You thought the same too, I guess? No, no, you're not talking too much. I mean, this whole conversation has been about like just my past, like, every, like everything we've talked about, whether it's, it's myself or you or uh, Trevor Gillies or whatever. I mean, it's just amazing where conversations, like I said to you about hockey, go because now we're talking about Craig Sharon, who, I mean, I can't even – I can't even begin to tell you. I mean, I played with him two years. I was 20 and 21. And you know as a young kid yeah. what an impact a guy can have on, on uh, young kids. Being a, Like at that time, he must have been 28, 29, 30 maybe. Um, when I was playing with him, he, he was uh, – it's right here. He was 33. And he I was played 33, with him the year 20. before. What was that, 201? Yeah, 2000, 2001. He was with you the okay. year before. So 99, 2000, I was with him. And he was, yeah, I just, I remember, I'll tell you this, Andrew, like, first he was American. He didn't play like I did. He never, so we had, he didn't like the same music. We had nothing in common. And every day we'd get there, man, and we'd have a coffee in the room and he'd take off his glasses. It was like, yeah. it, it, you, yeah. Know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like he seemed like yes. a, almost like the coach or something. And he'd, and he'd sit down, he'd lay him down, and we'd just talk about whatever. It might be fishing. It might be Babe Ruth. It might be uh, the history of Rome. I just really enjoyed spending time with him. And then I heard it was cancer, was it? Yes. Yeah. Um, stomach cancer. Uh, it's brutal. Uh, his kids and his wife left behind. It's just, yeah. I mean, and you know what's even more ironic about that is that he was just such a specimen too. Like at such an old, I just remember he had so much hair on his chest and stomach, but, yeah. but you could still see the six pack. <laughs> like, like he wasn't one of the guys that had to shave it because he was, so you could see it. He was in such good shape yeah, that you could still see it underneath the and hair. Like a, and like a water bug too on the ice. He could really play. He had some big, oh. He, he broke his hand the second year I played with him and he came back. And I remember he scored one of the most beautiful goals I had ever seen in my entire life. 
still to this day in Hamilton. I can remember which direction he was going. He had just come back from his, uh, he broke his thumb, I think, not fighting. I think he took a shot or something, but um, he scored. I mean, I, I couldn't believe that he never played a game in the NHL. I think that was one of the things when I played with him. I just couldn't believe it. I knew he was small, and I knew that at that time, like that was kind yeah. of the knock on guys all the time. But but you give a guy like, like that, that a chance. I've often yeah. wondered, you know, certain guys, and they go every level and score. If I was a GM, I know that's easy to say. That's easy to say. But I mean, if I was a GM, just in this one little, and they do it, I would give. I would give here. Worst case scenario, he gets ten games in, and and we get to see it. But it's funny, guys like that don't get to audition more. Because you never really know. Craig Sharon scored yeah. at every level he was ever at. He was yeah. he was no, he, he was did. a survivor. If you put him up there and it, it you know with one of those teams, give him some good players to play with. Um, but it's can wild. I ask, can I ask you something about your career? Not to no, not course. to spin right over to uh, from Craig Sharon, but you talk about giving a guy a chance. Um, did anyone ever tell you to not fight? Yeah, like you put up fifty goals, sixty assists. Mm. In the WHL, never... 207 penalty minutes. Did anyone ever tell? Like, they don't count 10s out there. In, no, they didn't count 10s. Right? I had to, Well, what ended up happening to me, like, I left. I was scouted at. I played ju junior my first year Bantam. I was scouted here in Newfoundland by Tri-City. But out there, the draft is when you're 14. I was going to go to Cambridge and play for the Winterhawks with Todd Harvey. Or he had just left. That was it. I was going to do that and try my luck at the OHL draft. And I knew I was, I mean, I was the MVP of the Quebec Pee Wee tournament. I knew I was going high. I ended up going third in the dub draft. So I knew that I was, I did. The only thing I did not want to do was go to the queue. At the time, the queue was horrible. I don't care what anybody says. It was the least of the three leagues. It was definitely the least physical in an era when the Legion of Doom was dominating things. And there was all kinds of physicality in the NHL. Now, different. The, the WHL at times, some of these Memorial Cups look like dinosaurs. But at the time, it would definitely, and, and there wasn't as many Atlantic Canadian teams. They just all came in kind of after that, right? But there wasn't always those teams. So most Atlantic Canadians before all that went to the OHL. Um, John Slaney, my idol before me from Newfoundland, went ninth overall. Well, he went to Cornwall and played in the OHL, ends up on Team Canada scoring the goal. But like, no one here even thought of the queue. But then by, by zoning rights, it was like every year was like, oh, they're going to start making the Newfoundlanders go to the queue. So I didn't want Is that, that what everybody remembers John Slaney for? I mean, I know I remember that, no. but I remember him more. Oh yeah, no, not me. I played against him in Philly when he was in Philly in yeah. the minors. His Thirty goals a year skates. on D. Tongues on his skates were the only thing I remember. <laughs> about John Slaney. I know. Yeah, they were. They were. He had the extent, the custom tongues on his skates for sure. They didn't. They didn't make skates that came with. They hit people long. flying by. I know you had to get <laughs> them out of the way. It's incredible. 30, sorry, 30, sorry 30 in the, in the, no, no, that's no sorry. That's good information for people listening. He was one of the greatest players from Newfoundland ever. You could make an argument that the greatest. Um, and he scored that goal, of course. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I left a, a completely a, a centerman. I never threw a hit. I got scouted just between, well, I don't mind. Yeah, we, we won the provincial championship when I was in Pee Wee, 16 to 0, and I had 8. So. Something had to happen. Okay, now I know it's Newfoundland and everything. I, I never really thought much, but then when we're going to Quebec, and the, the guy the year before me, the big player the year before me was Jeff O'Neill for Richmond Hill. Oh, yeah. And then I went, and I was that guy. Now we're playing against Toronto Red Wings. Okay, if the Mount Pearl Blades are beating the Toronto Red Wings 5-4, and I got five, and again, I'm not making this up, right? I'm, I'm not trying to... Then that's the level of prospect I was. So I go out. Now I'm playing, though, junior in the Rocky Mountain Junior Hockey League at 14. 
So I kind of, you're like, I had curiosity. Again, I'm coming at it from a different level than you are. You're already, I'm, I'm a scorer and I'm 14. I wasn't expected to do that. But now when I started to do it, Andrew, like you, now I realize, like, after a few of those, now you learn how to do it, right? There's ways to grab it. It comes natural after a while, right? The, you can't really, I can't really explain it. But then you realize you're all right. And in the year, the, the, the era that I came into the dub, yeah, we weren't even allowed to warm up at the same time. They took 10 minutes and didn't count them. They took them out because people were glorifying fighting. So it was this league. My first, I'm 16 in the dub. I have 22 fights. So the next year coming in, I got, and I was a centerman though still. I was just, I, oh, I was like, oh, there's a scout here? Okay, I'll fight Belak. That's the way I wanted the bone. I wanted it. I was a dog. I wanted the bone and I'd do whatever. And I figured I was all right at it. I also got a bit of a temper now, but we put with Lankow. Okay. He's one of the best players in the league. He ended up leading the scoring. Okay. What do I got to do now? I went to Fredericton. I'm, I'm answering your question. I'm sorry. I'm hogging the fucking mic here. No, no, um, it's good. I, it, I've always been curious. Yeah. So I went to Fredericton, honestly, and when I was 19, for example, sorry, before I get to Freddie, my last year junior, like I made Montreal. I only played four games, but they'd rather me practice there. And that was their words. Uh, Mario Tremblay said, you know, I, I don't want to send you back and have you get in, you know, another 30 fights for no reason. Tri-City, you're in last place. And you come here and learn. We don't need any of that nonsense. But um, uh, everybody got fired. So, like, eventually... You know, Serge Savardo drafted me, got fired. Jacques Demers was the first guy, but then Tremblay was there, and then he got fired. So when Rajon Hull and Alan Vigneault are there, fine. I don't think I'm their type player, but I have absolutely nothing against them. But they sent me to Fredericton where Michel Therrien. And Michel Therrien had a way about him. I don't mind saying it. It was the first time ever. Till that year, I was always an underdog. I fought because I had a fucking smart mouth. I'd pick up for my teammates, whatever, but I didn't have to. It was the first time I was getting this one. I was getting the tap. And I didn't like it. And, I, and I'm, a, I'm a good hockey player. And then I find out that Tarion didn't do it a lot. He didn't fight a lot. I'm going like, I'm, I'm a player. And at this point, I've done more fighting. I was 20 in the last six years. Then he's, I've forgotten more about fighting than he'll ever know. And well, who's he to fucking tap me? And to be honest, I wasn't playing at all. And David Ling was, got, tra got traded to our team. And Linger, much like Langkow, was a centerman who could score uh, but or wing. Uh, but he could score, and he was he was lippy, I guess. He'd get in fights, so I kind of came in there. I played not to protect him, but it was a nice uh, – I complimented him nice because I could pass it to him, and I would take care of business. But that turned into with Michel Therrien tapping me on the shoulder. Eventually, I asked Rajan Houle, why am I doing this? Why am I the fighter? He said, I said, why did you draft me in the first round? And Houle said, Terry, I didn't draft you in the first round, and I wouldn't have Okay, so that's when I asked for the trade, and that's when it became uh, the job. So in Montreal, a lot of what I was doing was fighting because I wanted to, A, earn my check. I wanted to do something. I'm not going to do nothing. And I still, Andrew, look, I still had 21 goals. I don't know how I squeaked that out. I guess because playing with Linger, and eventually I played. But I wanted out as soon as I got to Fredericton. And so it was two years of that. I'm sorry for it taking such a No, I, I think it's, it's amazing. Wasn't Regine Uhl a beer rep? He Before was a he beer became... rep, yeah, and I'm friends with him again now. I go up to games. I use the alumni room. Like, why wouldn't you, right? So, I mean, it took a while for that to happen, but he's head of the alumni now. And, I mean, I go up. I shook his hand last time I was there, and we, you know, well, 10 years ago now, not last time. And we watched a game together, and, you know, I got nothing against him. He got nothing against me, but Tarion was a prick. So 
Those guys might have made a bad judgment call. I would have taken me there at that time. They weren't in the playoffs. I'm passionate. I would have done anything. I would have worked out 10 hours a day if they wanted, whatever they needed. Uh, but Michelle Therrien was a mind game, mind fuck. I'm better than you. I'm just a kind of, okay, before, because I got more questions for you, but I don't want to leave this rock unturned. <laughs> you want to know what kind of are you are you are you are you laying, are you laying down yeah because like, <laughs> i can forgive him and i do and he was a rookie coach i was a rookie player he must have learned a lot he got up in the nhl so he must have because you never would have been doing doing the tactics a he would smoke on the bus and he would almost do it and hoping that you'd ask him not to because he'd say i can because i fucking will and i can send you down tomorrow more than me said that too but my first meeting with him he called me in I go in, okay, he doesn't say anything, sit down. So he's behind his desk, and I'm about 15 feet away in a chair that's curiously lower than his. He's <laughs> right? Curiously. I mean, <laughs> it's like fucking right out, of, right out of preschool? It is, yeah. It is, it is. It's such a fickle argument, like, and, you know, for such a professional position. So anyway, I did, and I'm looking... And I know what he's trying to do now. He's trying to bring me down. You know, I, I was never a cancer. I, I was just, I'd celebrate goals. I'd get all the boys together. Everybody would always be laughing. I would, if I leave and everybody's in the fits, then I've done my job. That's the way I would leave. And he did not like that. He didn't like any alpha male, anything. You're a soldier, get in line, soldier. So anyway, <laughs> I go in and he opens a can of pop. And he lights up a cigarette. He sits down. I sit down. Now he takes up a couple puffs and he's looking at me. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to say anything until he does. So he gets halfway through his cigarette. He still hasn't said anything. We're like three minutes. In, so I'm like, okay, he's not going to say anything. And he's waiting for me to say something, which I'm not fucking going to. He can go fuck himself. So I said, has he ashed, has he ashed the cigarette though? Or does he just, yeah, he's he not, taking, he's, okay. So he's, he's not just letting it like, no, Get to a really long ash. Okay. No, he's smoking it like he's enjoying it, and he's looking right at me, and he's blowing the smoke in my direction two or three times directly at me. I swear to you. So then, as now I'm going, you know, this is awkward, and I'm kind of looking down because I don't want to look him in the eye. And then I go, you know what? Fuck this guy. So I look him directly in the eye, and that's awkward. Like, ever look someone directly in the eye for like a minute? Even if it's your dad or your mom, it's awkward. Right? You're just staring them. Okay, so now I'm looking at him right in the eye, and I'm like, perfect. Now you got to look away, motherfucker, right? And when, and when you look away, you lost in this stupid mind game that you're playing. So he sits there, he finishes his fucking cigarette, and I'm staring him right in the eye. He's staring me right in the eye. No one is barely blinking. He finishes the smoke, puts it out, and says, get the fuck out of my office. Okay, Mike, thanks. <laughs> that was it. That was my first meeting with him. I went in going, what the fuck was happening? Hey, you know what? It's too bad we can't, we can't go Zoom you back in time to do it again because because I, I never have had a cigarette in my life but if i sat down in that room i was like hey can, 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 I, have can, a dirt? I, can, can I bum a dirt off you oh <laughs> you're the first one that ever said that that would have been the best possible comeback you got that one for me guy. yeah i'd have him when i drank too <laughs> oh I my god that would have that would have been the beers uh, that might have been the icebreaker <laughs> yeah it you know what it might have been that might have been the you know what's funny, Andrew, is that a couple games later, maybe, it's seven or eight games in, I'm doing nothing yet, and that's when Linger asked, could I be on his line? And I had a goal and two or three assists, and I was finally pumped because you know, there's a lot of pressure for a first round or two. I mean, I'm feeling that. 
you know, you're in Montreal, you're not in Columbus, no offense, Columbus, but like, you know, there's people at me every day and everything. So I was pumped and he called me in his office and he's like, yeah, yeah. You like that? No, I'm, I'm serious here. He called my parents, got him on the phone in front of me. Yeah. Terry's going to be just fine. He looked at me. How you doing? You like, you like uh, next game, maybe play with Eric Hood. Uh, you like that? You like that? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're a pretty good player. Can't wait. Can't wait, Mike. Can't wait. Next game. My first shift is with 20 seconds left in the game. And he says, go fight Jeff Ware. And Jeff Ware didn't even like that. He's like you, big guy. Not, not like you in the toughness, but he's a big guy. No, I know and, Jeff Ware. I, yeah, he, I didn't, know, he didn't yeah, want to be at the fighting. And I had to go out. Like, he didn't want to be doing it. And I had to go on the ice with 20 seconds left. I fought him. And I'm not kidding. And I told him why. And I said, I'm in a hard position here, but I got to do this. So I said, if you don't want the competition, go down. And if you don't want to get hurt, go down right away. But I have to start throwing, and I'm really mad. And I wasn't mad at him. You and actually said that to him when I you lined up that. to him? I said that, and I bet you any money, any money, that Jeff Ware remembers it because he fought me again uh, in Montreal and cut me open, and we talked about it in the penalty box. He's like, you know, I don't want to be doing this at all against you. And I said, no, man, well, I'm, I got orders. I mean, not that I wouldn't have, but there used to be a reason. He's out there. He doesn't want to be fighting. You know, like even when you and me fought, I don't remember having being predetermined, but you know guys out there that might do it. And, you know, you looked at me in the eye and we went. Jeff didn't want to fight and he told me that. And I hated that, that Mike made me do that. Michelle made me do that. So I took my fucking helmet and I, on the way off, and I threw it over the boards on the other side of the rink. I was fucking pissed. Oh, yeah. And see, that's what I mean. So that was our relationship. Right, it was just never gonna because I would come back and then like I would do things that I knew pissed him off. So like, but he couldn't really get mad at me for it. So like, I'd come to the rink say in a blue mohawk, right? He like he didn't like when I went to a Metallica concert one night, uh, in a, the night against the day before a game against Wooster. But I didn't drink. I wanted to go to a concert. I was like, it's I'm it's spending Metallica. my time. I mean, it's, it's Metallica. Yeah, it was just shit yeah. like that. But he all he. But what he, he just he, couldn't get a ticket, that's all. Yeah. No, what he didn't like was that I had a vibrant personality. He didn't like that. That's it. He, he saw me as a soldier that he might not keep in line. Now, at no point, and again, you might think I'm fucking around. Once, it's an infamous time, but once. Other than that, I never missed curfew. I wasn't that guy. I, when I, can, I, can I ask you a personal there, question? But, yeah. Can I ask you a personal question? And you don't have to answer this, but I could probably guess what guys were signing for back then. Like, what was your signing bonus? So I could only get – the year before me, two years before me, Alexander Digg changed hockey for kids. And they had a – right, 94, 95, one of the reasons that I, I'm proud of that year having 50 goals is because it was a lockout year. So, like, like, I don't know, Ryan Smith and Jeff Friesen were back in our league. They wouldn't have been. Alexander Daig wouldn't have been in the queue. You know, Brian McCabe, Chara. I can yeah. name all these guys that probably wouldn't have been. Or Chara was the next year, but whatever. Sheldon Surrey. I can name you guys. That, so that was going So the, the max was what, 850 or 875 or well, something? No, you could only get 2.5 altogether. So I'm not kidding. I signed for the biggest bonus in the draft. You know why? Because... Remember when Pat, they drafted me, then that's right before they drafted me, or sorry, right after they drafted me, Patrick Waugh went crazy, got scored on, and he went nuts, and he said, I'll never play for you guys again, and that's when he went to Colorado. Remember? Do you remember that? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it, was against so, the, it was against the Red Wings, and the Russian Five absolutely destroyed him. Yes. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. So, 
Patrick got traded, and then they brought in and so, and so Sir Severed and Jacques Demers, the guys who both had all their hope in me, they, were, they loved the Western Leaguers slash tough guys. They took me, they, they picked Brad Brown, they had Turner Stevenson, right? There was, I, I can name more, but there, Turner Stevenson was their first round pick the year before, two years before me. He was from the West Seattle, only 20 goals, but like fucking 250 minutes. Like, um, and he's Stanley Cup winner. Um, so he was good. Um, Chris Murray, they drafted. Chris Murray, Chris Murray. Yes, so they were going, Tucker, Darcy Tucker. So yeah. they were going for that spunk. Now they all those guys I mentioned got traded though. That's this is why I went out of there when that when that switchover happened. But I didn't. But anyway, so Demers and Savard were were fired. So they had new management in. And even though Mike Barnett, who was my agent, he was Gretzky's agent, and he said, I don't know if they love you or they hate you. They tell me they like you, but he said they didn't pick you. So he said, All I'm saying is that you watch it in Montreal. Because anytime he, he, I, I, I don't want to say it for bad, but he did. He said an English-speaking guy from Newfoundland and then the Western League and, like, you know, that all of a sudden isn't the pick of the GM that's there currently. He said, like, anything can happen, so I'm going to get you most of your money up front. He got me 1.25 to sign. And when I played, like, in the NHL, I was only on 400. So that year that I was told you I was there for – people say only 400. No, but you're living an NHL life, and you're there – um, 400 is a lot of money, man. Yeah, yeah, 400. So I, back then, I was, uh, yeah, and I didn't need it. I was a kid. But, um, you know, I was happy just to be there. But that year, like, I was there all year. That's why they could kind of do it, too. Like, if I was on, if I was making 1.5 in the NHL, I don't know that they would have kept me at 19. But it was only 400. So Mike's like, this is going to set you up to be there. Because, he, you know, if I was only paying you 400, I'd have you around, too. But you'll get 1.2 up. 1.25 up front and I did. Do you think and that, the reason why I asked you that, sorry for the personal question, but No, I no, mean, it's great. But it, the reason why I asked you that was because I I just wonder if maybe Tarion had a little if that might have rubbed him in the wrong way too cuz I, I I think the amount of money that players made affects how a coach's a coach views yeah, sometimes. Well, maybe not now cuz coaches now are actually compensated well. But yeah. back then you were probably your signing bonus was probably more than what Trombley was making. Andrew, this is the second time today that you've said something that I talk about frequently, and it's the first time I've heard it. Of course, knowing Michelle Terrian and the way he thinks, I've never thought to think about that. I never, because, I mean, in my mind, too, I know I'm saying all this because it's fact, but I was humble. Like, when I went to camp, like, I couldn't believe I was in an NHL camp. It took me a while to get over that. Again, I'm a Newfoundlander. Growing up, we had a defeatist attitude. We didn't leave the island much when we did. I often say to people, I played soccer, baseball, and hockey, and ball hockey, I guess, on a national level, meaning I made the provincial team and we went away to play. What we were, whenever in each sport, usually either us or PEI would play the host's first game so everybody could see them spank you and everybody gets a free fucking hot dog. That's what I – so those – you know what I mean? Like, that was my experience being from Newfoundland. So – when I say I didn't think I was going to make the – no. Like, we won our provincial championship in Canada, and I had eight goals, and I did not think I was going to come anywhere close to the NHL. So it was all new to me. And then so to go to Montreal of all teams, like, just a few years later, and then I go to Quenell and try cities like a small little play. I was never in a big market. So it was overwhelming, to say the least. I never thought of myself up there. But Michelle Tyrion looking at me, yeah, I can see. And when I would, like, scored goals and went crazy, it was almost, you know – and, and, you know, some people would see, like, celebrating goals as cocky. I was just so happy to, like, 
to have done it. Like, I, I don't know how to, how to explain it. I, I was overwhelmed. It was like winning the lotto. Each pro goal I scored, man. So, like, I, I was full of this passion and energy and, and really a humility that I don't think Mike knew that was there. And that's a great thing that you brought up. Thank you. No, it's, it's just interesting. I just, I just wonder. You always wonder that. Like, you know, you think about how a coach in Hamilton feels about Bond Sr. whipping around in a, in a Viper. He's only played three games in the NHL. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And, and, and it's like, to some, it, can to rub some, people the, it can rub people the wrong way. You and know? I mean, it's a natural feeling. Like, even though my head doesn't go there, I'm not naturally cynical, but there's nothing wrong with that. Mike's did. Maybe he had reason to be. I mean, he, he was a good coach. Looking back, he really did know the game. I got to say that, right? And I'm sure that he learned – I could have been one of his mistakes. We all learn from mistakes. I swear to Andrew, I had a, I, I end up, I'm alive. I, I have people in my life, I have a daughter that, you know, I can go on and on. I don't have regrets and I look at it and I'm glad that I played at least a little bit in the NHL, but he was a fucking prick. Yes, he was. Do I think he learned? I hope he did, man. And I, I look at it, maybe I was just one of his learning mistakes because, you know, he got there. And a lot of guys like him. A lot of guys didn't. He didn't totally change. But to some degree, he did. Uh, one other thing to get back what you said. So I got 1.25. Now, I didn't know anything about tax. Honestly, I didn't. So, and the year before, I Did had, anyone? <laughs> like, I don't know any guy that signed that knew anything no, about tax. But there was so much. Montreal at that time was 58% tax. Oh, my boy. agent, my agent got 4% and my financial advisor tied in with my agent from IMG got two. So I got, th I'm not complaining. I'm just saying I got 36% of that. People look at it and go, what? I'm like, yeah. So I took home about 400 and I paid my parents' house cut off and I bought them a brand new Jeep Cherokee because they came away with me. They wouldn't have, I called Danny Cleary's father actually. My dad got Danny Cleary away. When Mike, when Mike signed me, my dad said, if you think Terry's good, you have to go to Harbor Grace immediately and watch Danny Cleary. And, and actually a guy named Harold Druken. He said, you've got to go watch Harold Druken as well. Um, and, and Mike, sure enough, he did do that. And sure enough, took the guys. Uh, Drukes, I think, took a couple of years before he could be convinced. But he signed Cleary right away and sent Cleary up to Trenton to play junior at like uh, junior B at, at 15. But that's what happened. So I called Mr. Cleary. I said, look, man, I said, I know you're, I, I want a, a Cherokee, get me the biggest souped up, whatever it can be, and I'll just wire you the money. And he called me about an hour later. He said, I got a cherry red, a fully loaded uh, Jeep Cherokee, the only thing that doesn't have leather seats, cloth. I said, no problem. $55,000, here you go, Mr. Cleary. Mom and dad, I called him that night, go out in the, library, go out in the uh, driveway. And mom came back in, and she said, I can't, there's someone's car parked there. I said, Mom, there's a fucking ribbon on it. There's a ribbon on it. But anyway. Um, My so God, that's an unbelievable story. It man. gave me great satisfaction, but, you know, down to about I 300. I bought myself a brand new Durango. I got divorced from my first wife. So I'm, I'm not complaining, but the money went somewhere. People think 1.25, they're like, you blew it all. I'm like, no, well, my parents have their house. We, one thing led to another. I mean, it helped me out. It gave me a start. I'm sitting here now. It didn't hurt me. But it wasn't what you think it was. I mean, I know you know, but a lot of people don't. Um, anyway, no, it, I just spoke that, for. It. No, I think I think it's amazing, and I don't. There's a lot of stories like that, like where guys that guy, you know, they. I think that's amazing that you bought your parents a Cherokee. Like I just, 
I don't know. I didn't sign for that kind of money, but even being a second rounder, but I, I, I just, I, I, I know that, that like, obviously you help people out around you as much as you can, when you can, but well, yeah, I couldn't Andrew, imagine the, the gratitude that the, um, even the, even the way that must've made you feel to be, to be able to do that. I mean, well, I really appreciate you saying that. Um, but it, in context, I, I can't see how I, I don't know. I think you would have done what I did. Like, so I was 14. My dad played pro, right? Like, the, my dad played a year in the WHA. My dad had 49 goals in Hamilton in the OHA. Oh, your dad's a legend, man. Yeah, well, you know, you know, dad. Yeah, yeah. So, well, you know of. So, dad, you know, he just happened to be, there was no one in Newfoundland that could have really given me advice like this. He could. Really, literally, I could count on one hand the amount of professional hockey players that were on the island at the time, and he was one of them. So, he got, like, and he knew that the Western League was the best route. It wasn't like, I want you to go fight. He's just like, you know, meantime, I was getting in fights off the ice at school and stuff. I'm an only child. I skipped a grade, and a lot of people in my school uh, failed a grade in my grade. So, and I, I'm never starting them, but I was all, I never didn't answer the bell. If anybody bullied anybody in my grade, I don't mind saying it, I was the guy to fight them. That sounds like I'm being boastful. Ask anybody in Mount Pearl. I think it was an only child. I think it was a search for friends. I think there was some kind of deep psych psyche there. I'm not saying I'm big and brave and tough. I lost a lot of those fights. But I think it, it kind of came out in hockey. You know, if I could channel that energy that way, like I just didn't fucking like bullies. But, but anyway, anyway, I left to go. Again, my dad's there. You know, he's, he, he, he's helping out. My mom moves. Dad took a leave of absence from uh, his teaching. He's a teacher. Dad came home early because he had a degree and he wanted to be a teacher. Dad quit at 26, was an IHL All-Star. Talk to me about quitting early. I'm like, Dad, you would have got back to the NHL. He's like, well, but I wouldn't have had my $60,000 salary. And, you know, it was more than I was making. And then, sad but true, I'm like, yeah, I guess. And, you know, no one in his family had graduated. So Dad, Dad was really proud of his degree and was working on it. He was like eight years into it. We left. We come home. The house is trashed. Right, Dad? I remember didn't have certain kind of insurance. We got fucked out of and everything. And it was... He never, neither one of them ever made it seem to me like it was a burden, but I knew it. Hey, mom, mom, uh, what's for supper tonight? Oh, I think tonight we're just going to have craft dinner. You know, it's because I was milking the fucking family. I didn't, looking back, I know it. I started to get that feeling. And then I, when they downsized cars, and then I was like, oh, that's what's happening. Right? And then I, I, I never, ever spoke my mouth about that to them. It was in my head. I said, if I ever, ever have a fucking chance to do this. So to me, it was 1.25 minus whatever it was to pay off the house, minus whatever the fucking car was. I don't mind saying that. I'm talking too much again. No, I think that's, I think that's unbelievable. I, I think, you know, like, it, I don't think kids nowadays, because it seems like everybody who plays hockey now, all these families have money. I mean, hockey. Yeah. It's an elite like sport. My, it's becoming a Well, my, pa my, my parents did did okay like they you know my father was the athletic director at a private school my mom you know didn't really have a career because she was taking care of us and doing a lot of the traveling my dad's job was was uh very demanding um you know the summers were off but that doesn't help during the winter time he was at every game he could be at but um you know same thing it's like my brother's playing hockey i mean you don't you don't you don't get to where we got just in the junior draft without your parents dishing out a 100%. crap load of time of, of money yeah. and time and time. Um, but I just feel like now kids nowadays I don't know and I could be wrong I could be completely wrong and I'm sure there are kids that that probably 
you know, are from the same situation, if not, you know, not as fortunate even, but, but understand the imp, the financial impact that hockey can have on a family. It's, I mean, think about it now. Could you imagine if your parents were buying $300 sticks? It's incredible. No, Could you it, actually it's becoming so elitist. I do. I help out with some hockey camps here. I don't have my own because it's hard for me to schedule them. I, my work is so sporadic, whether we're sporadic, whether I'm acting or I'm podcasting or I'm public speaking or, or I'm doing a hockey school, whatever it might be. But I, I, I do work with a lot of kids personally. They might phone, Terry, we're going to get a group, four or five together. What do you charge? Meet us at this rink, whatever it might be. Meet us at this often gym, a lot of ball hockey players, whatever it might be. And wait, where were we going with the, Oh. Oh, yeah. With the, with the, yeah. So a lot of them, and I mean, I'm not going to name a lot of people from Newfoundland listen to this, and I won't name the names, but there's only so many big prospects that come out every year. Now, we do. We're overrepresented. Like Alex Newhook went 15th overall last year, and Dawson Mercer is rated 10th or 12th this year. He might actually, he might actually go in the top 10. Um, and, you know, we always have a healthy, for our population, a healthy number in the queue um, overseas, whatever it might be. But it's getting to the point that when, when you coach the kids coming up, like I see now the kids turning 10 and 11, and a lot of them are the best players, but they don't have the most money. So then you see the other kids who have been training with better care gear, with better camps. with better, That's why I really, I almost, I feel bad for them, right? So you want to work with those, with those first set of kids because you're like, man, they shouldn't drop off because they don't have any money. And when I say don't have money, it's not like back in our day, like literally dad's dad, my father's father was a waiter and his mother didn't work. He nailed his sticks together. He used odd skates from hand-me-downs from the senior team that dad. That's why he, he was so fucking scared, mo, scary, motivated to be, to get a degree. So like there's that, but that, you know, when I was growing up, you could still be middle-class. You, you need help if you were poor, poor. But now, Jesus, like, it, it, you could argue it's $20,000 a year just for a kid to play. It's unbelievable, and it's becoming elitist. So what we do, and a lot of great players that you locals don't know, and I won't say specifically, but a lot of great juniors, a lot that I, I, I don't know how to say it without eating my words. Put it this way. We raise money for them in our own way, and we've gotten them on the mainland. And a couple of them are still reaping the benefits of that. And I'm happy about it, but it shouldn't be like that. It should not be like that. That's why, you know, Aaron Asham, I'm sure. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. Well, Aaron Asham has a golf tournament. I, I was talking about this with Ash. It must be 15 years ago. Cause the, if I love one thing about the 20, the Habs, the Habs would encourage you to do off the ice work. Like they were really, that whole PK Subban thing is obvious. Cause he like bought like a wing of a, or he, Gave a lot of money to uh, got a wing of a hospital named after him for a good reason, but they were like the Habs like used to have sessions and meetings with us to encourage that. And I remember Ash realizing because Ash is from uh, Portage of Prairie, Manitoba, and it was starting to happen there. He's like a lot of kids don't have the money to play, so he what we do in the summer he does it, but I go out and speak, and you know he, he flies me out, and we have a weekend of it. Ron McLean comes out. And we call it Aaron's Chance to Play. And we have a big golf tournament over the years. I don't know. Mike Richards, Martin Broder, I could go on and on. That go to Portage and raise money uh, for this cause. And I think he's raised like over 500 grand at the time now. Wow. It, wow. it reaches outside of Portage. Now he's, he's taking care of a lot of other people. But, but that's the case. And I can name people. Again, I won't. That, that we, we 
put this money in and three, four years later, you'll see him playing in the Western League. And you're like, man, because it's out West, um, if they didn't have that opportunity. And that happens way too much now, right? Um, enough that I think you can call hockey elitist than it shouldn't be. Well, I can, I'm sure there are a lot of uh, athletic and talented kids that just, whose parents just say, I, you know, I just can't. I just can't time money, whatever the case may be. I mean, it's, it's no, I coached the junior Sabres here for a couple of years and it's phenomenal, phenomenal organization. Um, I've heard that. I've heard Buffalo. Okay. I want to take it right off an hour and a half. So I'm going to, you know what? You're going to come back. We'll, we'll have, uh, We'll have second. You're going to have to break this up into two parts. <laughs> I think, but, uh, no, people will listen. Honestly, I, I thought so too. First, when I first started doing this podcast gig, I used to think like half hour 45, but people can press pause, right? It's not like a radio show. True. You can press, press pause. That being said, I don't normally go an hour and a half that we've been on now. So you know what? I love talking to you. And it's great because normally I have like close friends that I've played with. It's great to have someone like this where well, I can tell we would have been friends and we are, but you know, we weren't teammates, but very similar attitudes, guys that I'm talking about that you came across. That's why I love the game, right? I'm glad yeah, Craig Sharon came up. I'm really glad he doesn't yeah. get to come up a lot. I don't get to talk about him a lot because people don't know who the fuck I'm talking about. I'm glad that they will now and that you uh, had good things to share. You know what I have? You know what I have? Um, before you go on, I, I, uh, I have, he played an alumni game, I think, for the Sabres. It might have even been an Amherst alumni game. But after he passed, there were a bunch of jerseys. And um, his, name plate was, his name plate was in the bag. It was actually on a jersey. Oh, wow. And I tore it off. And my every intention of it at the time was to give it to his wife and kids. And I tore it off. And it sat in, in, in my house. I had it out on display. And I just came, when I moved, uh, I, I, I threw a bunch of stuff away, but there were a few things I kept and I still have that. And I came across it the other day and my son who's seven, who can't, who'll never be able to at this time, be able to comprehend what I'm saying to him about someone, but I pulled it out and he said, well, daddy, what's that? And I told him, I just told him a little story about Sharky, Sharky Sharon and yeah. yeah, Sharky. And I, I, you know, it's like just you go back and, and, you know, I always say, would I ever do hockey over again? If I had the chance, the answer is unequivocally no, but I'm glad I did. And I'm glad I, I went through it and not even for, cause I didn't play in the NHL with Sharky. I played in the minors with him and we weren't super, super, super close, <laughs> but, but he was the most amazing guy that you could always talk to. Had young guys over to his house for dinner. Exactly. Um, had beers with him on the road after games. You know, just ah, uh, salt of the earth, man. Down to earth. Can can tell a guy, you know, where things can go right, where they can go wrong. And I mean, I was on his line for for crying out loud. He was my line mate and, in the minors. And, oh, he that's it. fantastic. And led by example too, because he uh, he was you know he was he also was, led by example and had a. A sense of humor, just not a loud one. It was dry. It, it was, was an dry. amazing sense of humor. Yeah, right. And you know what's you know what about Sharky? Yeah, is he was always always laughing and always listening. And the best thing is Jason Sapola. I don't know if you remember that name. Yeah, I do. But Jason Sapola played in the American League. He was another amazing amazing teammate. But um, Sippy Sippy, I had zero goals my rookie year in the minors. <laughs> And we were playing Syracuse the last game of the year, okay? Yeah. And 
Sharky, I heard Sharky and Sippy over talk like they were talking, and I overheard them talking about a bet they had about me if I was going to score this year or not that they made twenty five games prior. <laughs> they were going. They, they must have been betting on guys that had zero in the in the uh, in the goal column, and who oh. would score and who wouldn't. And I remember Cunnyworth puts me on the ice. Randy fucking uh, Cunnyworth. Yes, <laughs> yes. Randy. He just said he came back playing when he was like forty. He's coaching uh, you here. He only played like he was four. Can you remember that? He was my first uh, pro coach. Wow, that's my, great because he, he just he come off. My, but then he was your first pro coach. I could be remembering this wrong. I'll look. I seem to remember like the year before, the year before that he was he was playing, right? Like he came back. Yes, he got hurt. He blew his knee out. Oh, he was a player. He was a player assistant. Wow. And he, he blew his knee out. The year before he had played 20 playoff games for the Sabres in that 98-99 run. Yeah. Right. Okay. No one remembers that. And then, the, and then he was in Buffalo for a little bit in 98, 99. And he was in Roch, but he was a player assistant um, in Roch player slash assistant coach is what I mean by that. Kind of like bird dogs. Yeah, yeah. Just for people listening. Right. And, uh, and I, I guess he, he had a really, really, really bad knee injury. I mean like devastating, but he was like 40. Yeah. He was 40. He played forever. You know what he said to me one time? And I completely disagreed with him because, but it just go, it just went to show how much he loved the game and how much I hated it. And it was one of, it was very early in my career. Yeah. We were in Philadelphia in the playoffs and I wasn't, I didn't play in the playoffs. And I remember we, we did the morning skate. We played two on two. He was an amazing coach. I loved him. And we were playing two on two and he's stretching in the room after with all of us. We're getting changed. And he, and he just, he's like a kid. I said, Cunny, you're, I said, do you miss the game? Cause he just played the year before and he's like, Oh, I missed it. He goes, I wish I could still be playing with you guys. He goes, boys play until your legs fall off because this is the greatest game in the world. And I turned around, I hung my skate up and I just remember saying in my mind, I'm like, if I'm out in three years, I'm fine. <laughs> 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 but, I, I just, you know what I mean? Like I just played as long as I could. That's why I said to you all the way at the start of this, I'm like, I quit my last year. I could have continued to grind it out, but I, had a curfew violation and, you know, got, uh, yeah, yeah, everybody's kinda, got their you know, different reasons for the different, you know, they, everybody, uh, it's a unique experience. Hockey is a vehicle that just takes us on this journey of life. Not everybody's going to be ready at the same time, yeah. right? Not everybody's well, going to give the same contribution. It's why it, it's, it's you, me, it's Cunnyworth, it's Gretzky, it's everybody. It's part of our great game, right? So it is, it is. So to round out that story about Cunnyworth, Puts me on the ice, like last minute of the game against Syracuse. We were obviously winning by enough. The net was empty. Okay? Yeah. The net was empty for oh. Syracuse. Okay, so. Okay, so he's thinking what I, obviously, he's giving me my shot. Like, well, that's a great coach right there. Yeah, That's great. a great, now granted, I want you to know, I would have taken the empty netter, but I didn't want it. Right? And oh, so nice. I remember, I, I, we were defensive zone face-off, and the, and I don't know how much time was left. Puck goes back to their point, and we're in our zone for a bit. And big shot from the point, I block it. But I like I, I just I, I didn't like blocking shots either. I but I I blocked oh, it. Oh God, that was and, the, and it, 
Number one, I'd rather yeah. take a punch in the head from Probert. Oh, all day. I fucking hated it. All day, because you never knew it was going to happen. At least a punch, you know, it's coming to the face. The yeah. slap shot, you could be Trent McCleary, you could be a shin pad. You don't yeah, know what's going to happen. Your ankle could so, be just broken yeah. like a baseball bat. Yeah. Absolutely. So I block a shot, it deflects into our zone, and buzzer goes, okay? The shot from the point meant nothing, because we were up by, I think, two, maybe, yeah. right? yeah. So I so that's when it was. I caught Sharky and uh, Sippy in the back room after. I think he was giving him five bucks. I think the bet was only five bucks. Just I see, and, and they were talking. I said, "What is this?" Like, oh, Shark or someone bet that you would or wouldn't have a goal. Sharky bet for me. Sharky bet for oh, me. Oh, good, good. At least Sippy, he was giving the money. <laughs> exactly why I love him. Sippy was bet. Sippy was betting against me, and. Uh, uh, I remember I said, yeah, I go, but you know what? I go, I would have rather had that block shot. And then Dane Jackson from over in the corner goes, oh, yeah, that was a real defensive gem, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> oh, beauty. That's just fantastic. Uh, you know what? You know the- what? Listen, listen. It's been an hour and a half, and I love that. And I don't want to cut you off, but I want to end on that story um, because it's positive. It's great. We had a lot of ups and downs. I really enjoyed that interview. Are we going to chat again soon? You tell me when. You, this I'm, is volume I'm, one. Within three weeks, we're going to do volume two. I want everybody out there to know because I'm loving this conversation too. And we haven't even gotten to Craig Rive. We haven't gotten to Craig Rive. We haven't talked about my fight with Gillies, my brother. Or me, really. We haven't talked yeah, about your whoa, brother. My, we, so, so listen to people. This is the way no, hockey is. You I think that's a tease for me part and Andrew two. Peters have fought. Like I haven't, we haven't actually met like in shaken hands. We've, you know, talked, of course, we've corresponded on the, on the internet, but like our knuckles have met each other's fucking cheekbones and we still <laughs> hey. haven't talked about it yet. We're an hour before, and a half in. No. And that's what I love. But here's, here's what I just want to say before we go, we have met because you did something after that fight that I never, I'd never experienced before because I'd never really talked to a guy after, after a game that I'd fought before. And I, I, know think what I, you're cut, say. I think I cut you on the nose. You did? I, think I, I know exactly what you're going to say. And we're in the hotel lobby. We were all staying at the same hotel. And I walked in. I fought you. And I fought Francois Boschman, by the wow, way. He's okay, one of yep. the most underrated tough guys in the history way, of hockey. Yeah, yeah. And he put my brother to sleep a couple times. That's a story for another time. But wow. um, you came up to me out of nowhere. I remember this. And you said you put your hand out. And I, I mean, I knew who you were because I recognized the, the cut that I put on your face. <laughs> I'm yeah. just joking, but seriously. No, it's true. And, and you, said, you said, great scrap. I'm Terry. Nice to meet you. Good job tonight. Good luck going forward. And you walked away. And you know, you know what? Remember earlier how I said, you weren't, weren't you one of the hardest hitters in the OHL? Because Darcy Harris had told me that. Because right after I fought, Darcy Harris talked you up. And I said, you Oh, know, did he? He was a tough SOB. He was. Way underrated. Oh. Way underrated. Big, yeah. big ears, really yeah. tough, he re- really tough. Came in walk-on, came in, to, made Freddie. Uh, Could have gone back as a 20-year-old in the O, and like he made it ahead of guys that were drafted. And fuck, could he fight? He Good third line or two, though. These meat and potatoes, but like he, he fought some guys, and I was like, wow. He's all of 185 pounds at the time. But anyway, he said it. That's what he said. He goes, that's Andrew Peters. He told me all about you, everything that you said. You know, you're not dirty, but you hit. You'll fight, but you're not, you know. It was everything. So, and I didn't really know that. I was just going in like you were to play the game. Those fucking exhibition games were a shit show. We'll tell, tell people all about that next. But that was it. And it was respectful the first time meeting you. I can't believe 
that that took so long to come up, nor that you remember. But I remember that exact time in the lobby of the hotel. I swear to you, I do. Yeah, I, I remember. I can't remember the name of the hotel, but I'll, I'll never forget that. And and that made me realize going forward that it was it was okay to like not be buddies with guys that you fought. Or I mean, that's okay too. But you know, to give a guy credit, respect. It was amazing because yeah. I because it was like. I don't even, I honestly don't remember. I know we joke about it in text messages, but you could tell you, I don't, all I know is neither one of us got knocked out and I don't remember how the fight went. I don't remember the how fight it actually, started. It's funny because it was on TSN and I have the highlight. I'll post it, but it's bad because like <laughs> I'm hitting you like 10, but I was, I would do that. Like you were kind of waiting to get set like Sean Thornton would like, and as you were waiting and I was hitting, it didn't show like you hit me with two bombs and this, it was a good fight though. Was it? Was it? I, um, I, I know I know that I, I didn't lose and I, I think at that, at that point I, I I just I wanted to hang on because you and uh, Miguel Delisle were the only guys flying around in warm up with no helmets with no buckets and we played one year in the A and yeah, I was just, I was just, I was coming off thirty four fights middleweight or not in the A so yeah I mean I was approaching that from a different place but you you came back last and you boom boom that's how it kind of ended you hit me and I grabbed on and it had gone long anyway it was a good fight but you cut me across the nose. And then, um, anyway. So we, we are going to talk about it now. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll end with that one. I no, suppose, it's, a, it's amazing. I suppose amazing. we'll end with that. But that, that is what I remember. And uh, go back. When you, when you said that, though, see, you know what I love? I love that you remember that. Because I'm telling you That was a big this. moment. That was a big moment. Like, that was my first, that was my first rookie camp. That was my yeah. first time first putting time on, you an threw on the NHL. Jersey. First time I ever put a jersey on. It, you were my very first fight. It was the Montreal Canadiens. It might have been in Kitchener, but to me, it wasn't Kitchener. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. me, that was that. To me, that was my moment because I didn't know how far I was going. That was my moment, and, and I'll, I'll never forget it. And Andrew, you know what? The own the reason is because you learned. I wouldn't have known that unless the exact same thing the year before, two years before, Wade Belak. I fucking fought him in the West, and I was like, Jesus, I was just grab and go and go and go, and I knew we were in Tri-City. They were in Saskatoon, so we only played the other division twice, once at home, once on the road. Uh, and anyway, I fought Belak, and we had a burn burner. And I, we, he came after the game. We were out in the lobby, like, and I really thought I, I didn't get that either, the, the respect or the friends thing yet. I've, I've been in Quinell, and it wasn't really there in junior A. You know, we were – chirping everybody I, i'd never had anybody come up to me and he did he shook my hand said this is what to expect now if you get up there and don't do this do this and good luck with it all and i was like wow and then to me and i just i'm not making this shit up i distinctly remember it like you distinctly remember it because it was a relief i was like oh there's human there's humanity on the other side it's not easy yeah. to go and get ready for a hockey fight i'm telling you guys it's not and you know to know that you know there's someone on the other side of it that has a bit of you know, Wade was had a bit of a sense of humor, was respectful, came in, and it meant the world to me. And I still yeah. do it. I do that in senior hockey, too. Not, yeah. I don't do much fighting anymore, but it happens. But anyway, um, it was great having you. I'm going to cut it there, and we got lots and lots more to talk about. I can't believe I look forward to. I look forward to part two, man. I, I really – and I, you know what? Again, I'm sorry it's taken so long because I, I, I initially reached out to Ken Campbell. I ran into Ken Campbell and asked him if he had your number. Oh. And that's how I originally got your number a um, long yeah. time ago. Yeah, he called called me a few times for an interview. Interesting. Um, well, amongst other things, tell Rivy I said hello. Uh, do me a favor. Ask Rivy if he has any suits left uh, from Raffi. 
Okay, he'll know. What <laughs> I, I definitely will. You got to have him on one day. I'd love to, to tell you about the Saku Koivu story when he threw him into the toilet right before a playoff game, and they ended up losing the series. Saku was leading the playoffs in scoring. Okay, for sure. I've got to yes. hear that. You know what? It'd yes. be nice to have both it's of the- you on. And when are you guys doing your show? Do we, are you still doing? We're, it? We're, yeah, we're ten to noon every day. Um, we're still doing it. We do it from home, obviously now with the you well, know the COVID. It, if, but uh, if you need me on, let me know. Well, yes, no, that's how it originally started, and and I wanted to originally get you on first, but then here we are. But we're gonna get. I want you on for sure. It'd be amazing to have you on. We'll get okay, you buddy. on this week, next week. I don't know what your schedule is, but but we'll figure that out. But I look forward to it, Terry. I really do. I've really enjoyed. That's my little guy. Say hi. There's Say the seven-year-old. What's his name? Brody. That's Brody. Say hi. Daddy fought him. There you go. The, yes. the, hey, the, who won? <laughs> hey, look at it. Who won? Dad, no! Daddy. No! I'm going to have to send him the clip. I'm gonna say, What's your kid. phone number? What's your phone number, Brody? I'll <laughs> yeah. send you the clip. <laughs> send him the clip. <laughs> that would be amazing. You're going to be pissed when I post this, though, because I'm, I've got to because of the interview. But really, they only took my punches in the fight. So I, I know. No, you, you got it. You got to show up, but just make sure that maybe you screenshot the text message you sent me when you said commentating and good editing would say otherwise. Uh, okay, good, good, good. <laughs> and my nose. I'll see if I can get a picture. I, we had pictures. I'll see if we can get a picture of my nose. In any case, it was good talking to you. Yeah. And we'll talk great. to you again soon, Andrew, uh, within a few weeks. You be safe and I'll uh, catch you on the rebound. I look forward to it, buddy. Take care, man. See ya. See you, pal. And there you have it. like to thank my guest, Andrew Peters. I'm back on again soon. Awesome guy. And his brother, actually, Jeff. We didn't even get into that because we just kept going and going. I think we could have gone for 10 hours. Jeff and I went to more than one camp together back in the day in Brock University, actually, training uh, in, uh, I believe it was called the EHI, Elite Hockey EH program, whatever it was. I met Jeff there then. It was 20 years ago, and I I did not know that he was Andrew's brother. So I just found that out as well, and we'll have them both back again soon. Uh, it was great uh, to talk today. It was actually, I uh, feel great after that. Usually, you know, I know a lot about the guest, and not saying it's not fun. I loved chatting with Scott Burt, Burt last week, but I didn't know a lot about Andrew, and I got to see what made him tick, and um, you know, I wish we could have been teammates. Seems like a great fella. Great guy to have on your team. In any case, we're young, relatively. And I'm sure our paths will cross again. And I really will. I'm going to have him on either the next show or the one after to have a continuation of that. Very interesting. When you can have a guy on and barely talk about his experience in the NHL uh, or the fact that we got in a fight and he has a brother that I know. I mean, we didn't even get into much of that. In any case, it was awesome, and thanks a lot, my friend. Uh, thanks to Penny Posh as well, pennyposhdesigns.com. Thank you to Southern, Southern Scholar Socks. Uh, definitely the best dress sock you're going to get. Thank you to my mom and dad, obviously, for getting it on in the back of a car and back in 1976 and uh, really making me all that I am today, literally. Thank you to Miss Corrine, who gave me an A on a paper in grade nine that I, you know, you know, Miss Corrine, I didn't deserve an A for that. I mean, you know, what, what did I do it on the, the World War II, I believe, and it was 
long, but let's be honest, it was a lot of dribble. It wasn't a great paper, so thank you again. Thank you to my grade six gym teacher, Chris Murphy, for selecting me for the basketball team that um, led to confidence in other sports and uh, also helped make me who I am today. So thanks to Chris Murphy for that. Thank you to Amy. You know who you are, girl I dated in high school in Tri-City for showing me actually how to smoothly undo a bra. And, you know, that led indirectly to Penny Lane being born all these years later. So thank you for that, Amy. Thank you to Bob Lauks for putting me in the ice with a minute left in the game. And I had 49 goals in 1995, the last game of the season. Give me the opportunity to get that 50th. I really appreciate that, Bob. And, of course, thank you to Tim, the McDonald's drive through worker, who last week, I got an Egg McMuffin combo, and I gave him a 20. I thought I'd given him a 10, and he corrected me and gave me back an extra $10. So I really appreciate that, Timmy. Thank you to Princess for shutting the fuck up all podcast and not meowing. That was, uh, that was great today. No stress. And of course, of course, obviously, thank you to Nike for just doing it. See you all next week, kids. I'll catch you on the rebound. There it is.